we have some big time names skip out on the HBCU Legacy Bowl this year could possibly moving the date up lead to having more of the premier prospects in the game. Oh yeah, it's Locked on HBCU. Play my music. You are Locked on HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On HBCU Podcast, your number one daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I, of course, am Darian Gray, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports editor. Thank you for going on this journey with me, making Locked On HBCU your first listen of the day every day and remember just because the mic cuts off does not mean that the journey is over it just means it's time to follow me on twitter at south exclusives right here now man I, maybe i got a little overconfident with that i feel like i missed this this little point a couple of times but that's neither here nor there just know to follow me at south exclusives and if you're on the audio side of things don't forget the s on the end today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. make every moment more when you visit the official sports book of the locked on podcast network FanDuel at fanduel.com slash locked on and of course we got the great the a really good friend of the show gerald huggins coming on to talk about the hbcu legacy bowl and how his top six prospects were actually absent all right, G, we heard you on the podcast earlier. For those who didn't, we're going to talk about it now. And you talked about how you felt the top six players didn't play in the HBCU Legacy Bowl. How do you feel like these premier prospects missing the game affects the Legacy Bowl itself? I don't think it really negatively you know, affects the, the game, you know, in its totality. I just think for like, you know, for that one little moment, you just want to see our best guys. Uh, but and the day, we're all going to support regardless, you know. Um, you know, I, I want to, I just want that game to be, that game just means a lot to me, clearly because of what I do. And then it's like, this was never a thing when I played and people before them and people, even little people after me, like this just became a thing and it's so dope. So you just want to just see it look, you just want to see it look as best as it can. So um, I just think um, when you don't have an Arby Miller, you don't have a Isaiah Lane. You don't have a Mark Evans. You don't have a, you don't have a, a Isaiah Bolden. You don't have a Shaq Davis. You don't have a Dallas Daniels. You don't have a Jadakus Bonds, guys like that. It's just like, you know, you just want to see them. That would look nice for them to have that Legacy Bowl uh, uniform on. It just, you know, it's just something I feel like, I feel like they wanted to play in the game, but they just, can you blame them for not wanting to? Um, just due to the proximity to pro days and stuff. But, it's still not going to negatively impact uh, Legacy Bowl because we're all going to support it because it's it's important. We needed that week. That week was very important to a lot of guys. Yeah, I thought it was a great day, and you're talking about the timing of it and you have pro days and things like that. So it's kind of some people show up, some people don't. But what's the solution? What's the solution to getting, let's say, just two or three of those top six in because you might not be able to grab them all? I just say make the game earlier. Um, I say late January, early February. Make it a game where it's like, okay, it's not too far after the um, the uh, Celebration Bowl. 
you know, so their bodies aren't too rested. You know, your body, when you don't play football for a while, it's a little bit of an adjustment back. It's like, okay. Yeah, but you don't want it too late. So, you know, they had, like, some of these guys didn't play an all-star game outside of uh, maybe, what, maybe a handful of guys that played a, another all-star game. So there's a lot of guys that didn't hit anybody for months. Um, so I say move it to, like, late January, early February. You can still keep the combine in, the fe- in February towards the end because, you know, that's around combine, pro day time anyway, so that's perfect. But when it comes to hitting people, you don't want it so late. So I just say make it earlier, and then I'll give them other opportunities to even get called up to other games, you know, bigger games. Like, that's the thing they do. They call, like, CGS Bowl and Hula Bowl, those uh, small tropical bowl. Those got the scouts look at their games. And then, like, the bigger NFL, uh, the bigger all-star games look at those games, and they might call somebody up. So the people do all the time. I've learned that throughout the, uh, my time working with the Shrine Bowl. So it's um. It's something I think is a very minor fix. It really wouldn't hurt anybody. I don't think it'll make a. It's not a big logistical problem. So just you know, make it earlier, and then the guys are like, okay, cool. I still got a month and change before I have to like you know before it gets to pro days and stuff like that. So my body be rested. I I, I think that'll make them want to do it more. Just make it closer. So I think that the idea that you show out in the Legacy Bowl and. Maybe you get called up to one of the bigger bowls. I think that's fantastic. But when you look at the top six, they're already in these bowls. You see Daniels, Evans, um, Miller, Land, right? Bonds, Davis. Like They're all in the NFLPA bowl or the senior bowl. Regardless of time, whether it's late January, mid-February, whatever you do, how do we make this game more attractive? Or is it just, you know what? you already got that big time bowl, you're more than likely not going to come to the legacy bowl. I mean, I don't I don't want to sound a way by saying this, but it's like, okay, we're HBCU products. And I just don't think we I mean, I guess we want to be at the point where we don't have to play multiple bowl games to, you know, showcase our talent. But for the most part, most of our guys really don't have the ability to, to call off game. I mean, call off a lot of invites. I mean, there may be two that could say, okay, all I need is one bowl game, I'm okay. Maybe three. Everybody else, you know, it wouldn't hurt them to have another one because, you know, they're in more opportunities. There's like certain questions that some guys have. So, I, you know, I just think, how do I just, I just think, you know, if it comes down to it and they have to choose between one or the other, okay. Can't knock them. But, you know, at least if you make the game before the bigger game, then it's like, okay, like, maybe they'll just think about it a little more. But if you if they play the game, the Senior Bowl, Shrine Bowl, NFLPA Bowl, and they play well or practice well like they did, like most of our guys did, then, of course, they're going to be like, no, what, this is no point. I mean, I did well on a bigger bowl. Now, of course, you know, from a – a cultural, you know, HBCU pride aspect. You want them to just be like, no, nah, I'm going to play the HBCU Legacy Bowl because, you know, yeah, I play the HBCU, da, 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 but, you know, that's what we, you know, ideally, yeah, we would love to hear that, but reality sinks in. It's like these guys are trying to get paid to do this for a pretty long amount of time, you know, so are we going to, do we want that HBCU pride to get in the way of that? You know, that's up for, conversation i really am cool with either or decision i just i just personally you know personally i would just love to see all our guys play in the game so whatever we could do to make that a thing cool 
Yeah, I agree. I think that sometimes it's an interesting idea because you want to say do it for the culture, do it for the brand, do it for, you know, the cause and whatnot. I I often have a tough time deciding whether or not I can put that burden on somebody who's trying to make it to the NFL. Like, you got the NFL PA Bowl. I get what you, you know, I get it. It's a business decision at the end of the day. So it's one of those things where you got to make a choice. And sometimes, you know, we see what the choice is. I'm not going to knock anybody for it. Going forward, we're going to continue talking about these players who had absences and how it might have impacted them, what you felt like they could have proved or maybe what they missed out on by not going to the Legacy Bowl as we continue with Locked on HBCU. Before we get into that, today's sponsor is FanDuel. And if you guys are down with the betting, you guys are trying to make a little bit of more money based off of what you feel like you already know, FanDuel is the place to go. Basketball season is in full effect. That's what all of my attention is on pretty much, right? I know we're talking about the Legacy Bowl right now, but you see the last previous two episodes have been pretty much basketball-centric. That's exactly what we're looking at at FanDuel as well. FanDuel, they have the same game parlays. They have point totals. They have um, they still have the playoffs coming forward that you can look and bet on. So all of those things you can find on FanDuel, the official sports book of the Locked On Podcast Network. And if your first bet doesn't win, don't sweat it. They have the first bet, no sweat, where they give you free bets back for all of my new users. All you have to do is go to FanDuel.com slash Locked On and make every moment more. And as we continue rolling with today's episode on HBCU, I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day every day. For your second listen, make sure you guys are checking out Locked On College Basketball. For everything you need around the sport in one place, you just go ahead and check that out wherever you get your podcast, either audio or video. And we're going to continue diving into the Legacy Bowl. And we've seen the top six players in Gerald Huggins' uh, list, which is kind of interesting. Now, I might ask you something about it if we have a little bit of time that your top six didn't make it because you kind of revealed who those guys were in the in the midst of it. But which one of these guys are – I don't want to ask you to call anybody out. That might not be fair. But what do you think some of these players missed out on by not going to the second bowl, you know, the legacy bowl, but not going to their second bowl game before the draft? Um, I mean – Personally, um, if you have names, you can say names, but I don't want to put you in a position where you have to <laughs> say your name. <laughs> no, it's not that. Um, it's just uh, I will say. Uh, I feel like someone. I'll just say who didn't need it. Uh, in my opinion, who didn't? I mean, I don't think. I think Dallas Daniels and um, Dallas Daniels and um, Jadakiss Bonds. I think. Well, it's gonna. It's like yeah. I say J- Dallas Daniels, Jadakiss Bonds, and Aubrey Miller. I mean. You know, they didn't need it. I mean, clearly Land and Mark didn't need it. So I'm trying to think of all the guys that went to NFLPA, Shrine, and Seniors. So we got Zay Bolden. It wouldn't hurt him to play in it. I mean, you know, we his, his ceiling is so high. You know, it's like I feel him. You know, he probably believe. I mean, he should believe that. Cause I, his ceiling is really high. He's a, really, he's a big corner with – that can I believe he could play. He could be a really good safety. That's me. I think he'll be an exceptional safety. Um, but he can play multiple positions in the back end. He's a returner, power five experience. Like I mean, I I, I like him a lot. And he's in my top. Uh, what's he? He's number he's number seven on my list. 
he's number seven. So like, okay, but maybe like you see Hagens. Hagens, he um played in the game, another game because you know, I mean Hagen, but you know he already got drafted. So I mean, it seemed more like him. He just wanted to do that because like you know, why not? You know, he's a Virginia State kid. Um, so you look at him and Emmanuel Wilson. You know, he practiced. You know, pretty well throughout both weeks. He played in the Legacy Bowl and the um. NFLPA Bowl, and he actually wanted, he, you could tell he wanted to play in the HBCU Legacy Bowl. Like, he was dominant in two HBCU conferences, not one, CIAA and CX, dominant. So, I really me, feel like let me, let me stop you there, G. Let me, let me mm-hmm. stop you there, G, because you brought up something that I didn't even really think about. Because we're talking mm-hmm. about these guys not playing because they played in these previous bowl games, but then you name Higgins, and you name Wilson, and they played in the same NFLPA Bowl or – no, they played in the FLPA Bowl. Some other guy played in the Shrine Bowl. That's what it was. Yeah. But yeah. do you think it's a timeline thing, or do you think it's just a, I want to do this because I want to do this? Uh, I mean, you know, I don't want to speak for anybody. I think from what it looks like, you know, we all follow them on socials and stuff like that. Like, it just seemed like Hagen, Wilson, like, they look like they really – and, like, uh, Isaac, like, they wanted to play in the Legacy Bowl. Like, it seemed like that's just something they was like, I just want to do. You know, and I think, you know, you can see, like, oh, boy. Uh, I mean, they played their most of their, I mean, most of their career was at an HBCU. If I'm not mistaken, all of them was HBCU throughout. If I'm not mistaken. I got to look at it, look again. But I believe those, those three were HBCU all throughout, you know. So you look at guys like that. And then, like, even Nugget. The Nugget knew he had an uphill. He, this is um, only All-Star game. So he knew he had to play in this game. But I get a sense that, you know, he, like, Probably would have did it regardless. I don't know. That's just a sense I got. Just due to how his career yeah. kind of went at JSU. You know, he still wants, you know, to prove. Like, you see him in practice. You know, you can see he gets in it. He gets into it. He wanted to be there. So, you know, out of my top guys, you know, it's just like Keyshawn Moore. He played like three games. Like, that's guys I, I like. I mean, and I've been high on him, you know, since the, like the, once the draft process really started. Like, I just see like him. He's been progressing for me so much. Like, him. Going there, running, being six two, and running four seven, and being two hundred eighty pounds, and being we everybody was thinking he was two forty five, and he comes in at two eighty, and runs a four four seven, you know, and like he played multiple positions. So, you know, I I just really think some guys just really want to do it. Some may not, you know, want to do it for, you know, maybe their agent told them not worth it, maybe their coach told them not worth it, whoever, parents, whatever, and then you know some just. Don't want to do it, and but that's okay. I mean, it's yeah. you know, it's not yeah. what I want, but it, it's not about what I want. These guys are trying to you know feed families. They're so they're this close. So if they feel that's what they got to do. I'm not taking that from them, man. I can't do that. I, I wouldn't feel right doing that. I wouldn't want uh, anybody to do that to me. Yeah, and to be clear, we're we're really saying it's okay. Not one of those. I'm upset, but it's okay. No, it's really okay. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> it's not a problem at all. It's just a it's a preference, you know. It's yeah. whatever you choose to do, we understand. Right. But I just want to ask you this last question before we get out of here. Is there yeah. anything that you would feel if you had the charge, if I gave you the reins, that you mm-hmm. would like to change around the HBCU Legacy Bowl? that you think could improve it? Not saying it's bad, but just to improve it some more. I know I personally would like to see a little bit more pregame coverage. That's something I would like. Okay. That's a good one. I mean, you know, maybe in the future, you know, draft HBCU, you know, all of, you know, we 
we we here. You know, just you know, we 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 working too, brother. I, I, it's a line. I, I, it's a line. It's a line. Yeah, we working. So I mean, um, but no, nah, on seriously, I mean the game. I like with the career fair and with them being able to meet the older players and have conversation with them. The alumni come back. Like, I, I don't know. It seems like it's a real familial atmosphere. Like, I just my thing is like. During Mardi Gras, I'm just saying, speaking from a guy that's still, you know, I'm not getting paid to do what I do yet. You know what I'm saying? That's why I got to say yet, speaking to existence. You know, wife has been telling me to do that. But it's rough trying to get out to New Orleans from New York on Mardi Gras, during Mardi Gras, and you don't really get credentialed until a week or two before, sorry, maybe four days before, maybe, whatever it may be. So, it was just like you don't know if you're gonna get credentials, so you don't want to spend any money and waste it. Yeah, you know they don't they don't give you a refund on flights and they oh no. Like I know JetBlue, if you don't if you get basic, they say um they say if your ticket's under a hundred dollars then you just you lost that hundred dollars. So like what's the point of you giving me a, a, a <sighs> that's a whole nother thing. Um oh, yes. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, that's a, that's <laughs> thing. So yeah. Yeah, that was that was I tangent it off, but yeah. <laughs> but yeah, man, I, I I loved it. I thought it was fun. Hopefully next year we can get you out there. We can link up in some capacity. Um, yeah, it got to be next. Year. I'm trying to think the next big event celebration bowl. I ain't gonna be able to turn me thing. Anyway, y'all <laughs> need to be pretty much talking about when we go be in the same vicinity or whatnot. But I appreciate you, G, coming on, as usual, man. We got to do this again. I have an idea. I'm going to give it to you off off air when we cut it off, man. But I appreciate it for real. Let's do it. And that's a wrap for today's episode of Locked on HBCU. Thank you to Gerald Huggins for coming on the show. A good friend of the show. He always comes on and graces us with his presence and gives us some great insight, especially talking about how moving up the HBCU Legacy Bowl could lead to some more of our premier athletes participating. Let's switch to the premier team in the MEAC this year. That's Howard. Because for the first time since 1987, for the first time in 36 years, Howard can say that they are the regular season MEAC champions and they have an unlikely star to thank for that. Bryce Harris was a monster in last night's game and he was a big reason why Howard was able to shed that share of the MEAC title and say, I'm just going to be the MEAC champion, period. We're not sharing anything with Norfolk State because this was a game for first place. Whoever won this game was going to be the first overall seed in the MEAC tournament and Bryce Harris delivered. He had 22 points, outscoring everybody. And this is a game where he's playing with Settle. He's playing with Hawkins on his team. On the other side, you see Joe Bryant Jr. You see Chris Bankston, two guys who we know can get buckets at any moment. And who was the highest scorer? Bryce Harris. When it came to crashing the boards, who had the most boards of anybody on the court? Bryce Harris. So it wasn't that he was just affecting the game with offense. We love points, right? We love seeing 22 points, which was a season high for him. We love seeing that. But at the same time, we also love to see the full complement of skill sets, right? So you're looking at scoring, whether that's crashing the boards, running the floor, shooting threes. Matter of fact, the first time I even noticed him and just ca- he caught my eye was when he was when he shot a three. He caught and shot a three with the shot clock dripping down. I think he, I don't even know if he had time to set really. And I was like, oh, okay. Who's this dude with the cornrows, right? And that ain't no joke. I, I love cornrows. I, I've always wanted to have cornrows, but I don't have hair on the side of my hair, uh, on the side of my head, so I could never do it. But I was like, 
all right, you don't see many cornrows. So who's the guy with the cornrows? I'm, I'm peeping him, watching him. And now all you see this dude flying down the court. You see him crashing the boards, getting offensive rebounds, getting second chance shots. You see the guy knock down another big time three. He had 22 points, like I said, and that's how he was able to get all of those points. But he's also moving around on defense. He's also doing the little things, you know. So that was the unlikely star and a big reason they were able to win. But if you take the totality of the game and you're not just looking at one player, it has to be that Howard was able to win this game with a strong first half in a very resilient second unit. And that second unit was one that Harris was a part of. So in the first half, you score 52 points, the most, the most points they had scored in the first half all year long. And they going crazy, right? So you're like, man, you open up a 27-point lead at halftime and a team the quality of Howard, you don't expect to give that up. But then the second half starts and you see Norfolk State slowly start chipping away at that lead bit by bit. You know, it's not... Now, it doesn't go down too much, but it does drip down 10 points. And that's when Coach says, you know, I'm going to put the second unit in. And that was a great decision because when the second unit comes in, when they start first start walking to the score table, the scores table, it's a 17-point lead. They knock down the three, it, gets, it becomes a 20-point lead for Howard. The whole time that second unit's in, the lead never decreased. Never went below 20 points. Ended at 21, right? He got as high as 24. So it was more stable. You have to understand that before the second unit came in, it felt like, like Norfolk State was going to make a comeback. They just did it to North Carolina Central just a couple of nights ago. So we know they can do it. We know that, that any time they can get hot. Second unit comes in, all of that got stomped out. Second unit goes out, the lead drops below 20 again. Goes to 19. I think it got as low as either 15 or 17. Okay. All right. Second unit comes back in. Lead elevates back up to 20 points. There was a consistency factor. That was the best unit for them in the second half. And, of course, you're looking at Harris as part of them. And also one other thing that they did great was they held they held Joe Bryant to his lowest point total in the MEAC game this year, nine points. He didn't even hit double digits for the first time all year. That was a big part of winning. I said, whose stars are going to show up more? Well, when you limit Joe Bryant to nine points, I think the answer is Howard stars showed up more. And this game gave us a little bit more clarity. And the clarity is that Howard is number one going into the tournament. Norfolk State is number three going into the tournament. And number two is North Carolina Central because they won their last game of the season, ending on a seven-game win streak. We'll see if they can carry that on into a 10-game win streak to make it to the tournament, the NCAA tournament. But that's what we're looking at, the top three seeds. We want to see how it's going to play out. You're looking at Howard at one. North Carolina Central at two, and Norfolk State at three. We'll see how it plays out once we get into the MEAC tournament, but I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day. Every day, we, you know we're going to cover that tournament next week. It starts on Wednesday, so be on the lookout for that on Thursday's episode. In the meantime, guys, don't forget to go check out the Locked On College Basketball podcast for everything you need around the sport in one place and also we're going to be covering the combine Isaiah Land had a pretty good day I thought he looked good in his run his second run specifically I got to go check out some of his his field work as well but we're going to be covering that event along with the SWAC and MEAC tournaments on next week's episodes of Locked on HBCU in the meantime in between time if you're looking for me you can find me on Twitter at South Exclusives until the next